This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, President of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the Warning Television Program, Radio, Shortwave, Social Media, wherever you're watching or listening in the United States or around the world. Welcome. Now, we're in a chapel here at World Ministries International where we do Bible school, also where we have a service every week for the staff of World Ministries International and their families. And today, my special guest is Reverend Maria Moore. She's prophetic. She's going to be sharing with you today. Maria? Thank you so much. It's always such a blessing to be here and be among you. It's just a treat for us. And this morning, I wanted to talk with you about a subject that's really near and dear to my heart. It's something that I've looked into most of my Christian life, and it's about recovering from trauma. The way that I want to package it this morning is helping your friends recover from trauma. You know, all of us have spheres of influence, whether it's in the church or in other places, that God has given us people's hearts, and we're, we have these wonderful encounters with one another. And the Holy Spirit that lives within us wants to have a very powerful encounter with the people that are in our sphere of influence as we move through the earth. So I'm just going to offer a quick prayer as we start, and we're going to go from there. Father God, I just thank you so much for your tender mercies, Lord God, how you woo us into your presence, Lord, and you touch our hearts and you change our lives. Father, we ask you that this morning's teaching would encourage and edify and most of all transform us into the image of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're getting this out of our past, being stuck in our past, so that we can have a present and develop a future, so that we can glorify the Son of God as we move forward in you, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So I'm just talking again about helping friends heal from trauma. This is something that I have had to experience firsthand. I've had a lot of childhood trauma, and then I had secondary trauma as my career in nursing, my choice in career. I've been most of my adult life as a registered nurse working in hospitals. Most of that time was in the ICU. So I've experienced secondhand trauma where I've helped a lot of people during crisis moments in their lives. Some of those people will remember me forever because it was a huge, important day in their life. And for me, it was another day at work but it kept going over and over and over. That's more of a multiple of trauma where many people have that, where there's just multiple experiences of trauma. PTS is just basically unprocessed trauma where a lot of times PTS is a lot worse in like say soldiers if they've had childhood trauma. And so that compounds the trauma. And so they have that from their past and then the war and then whatever they do to get through when they come back to the United States. Probably a more famous person that's talked pretty openly about his PTS was Senator John Cain, where when he came back from Vietnam, he had been in the Hanoi Hotel. He'd been a prisoner of war for about five years, and he came back a wreck. And so he treated himself with alcohol, and I think he had an affair, and he lost his first marriage. And, you know, even as he went forward in his career, he took ownership of that and said, you know, I, I could have done something different with that, and that was me, and that's not on her. And he really processed that trauma and became an extremely productive person. He got out of his horrific past and got into his presence so that he could develop a future. And he became a senator and ran for president of the United States, no less. And so just because we have trauma in our lives or just because we have 
big problems compared to, say, other people. It doesn't mean that there isn't a hope and a future and there isn't a destiny for us. You know, the challenges of life is what gives you character. It's what builds character. I'm convinced the reason why not all of our problems go away with miracle signs and wonders the first day that we get saved is so that the Holy Spirit can woo us into a personal relationship and we would learn to cooperate with him so that we can manifest the kingdom of God, not because we have it all together, but we can really understand it's by his grace and his power and his authority working in and through us. It's an opportunity for growth. There was a definition that I saw about faith, not a definition, but a concept about faith. And it said that faith feeds on impossibilities. And it was like, say what? You know, my faith my natural faith, my human faith, when I'm presented with an obstacle that I can't figure out, kind of shrinks. And it's like, I don't know. But the God kind of faith, the faith that we get from God, the faith that God gives us so that we can become born again, that faith feeds on impossibility. It's a powerful concept when you look at it. You can look at trials and tribulations and trauma in a whole different light when you begin to understand that it's really a building block for your character and your ability to walk with a strong confidence in the ability of the Holy Spirit to overwhelm any impossible situation in your life or in those of those who you serve and you love. I just want to give a basic definition of what a trauma is. It's, a, it's an event that's outside the norm of everyday experience that causes physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual harm. Its victims typically suffer powerful, disturbing emotions. Healing takes time and effort. A lot of times when people get into situations like this, they, they want it over now. And um, a, there's a lot of different ways that we can den, dead in and stay in trauma because we're not dealing with the emotions. Um, I, like I said, I've got a, a, a personal history with trauma. I also have a family history with trauma. My dad had PTS that was never resolved. He uh, was an alcoholic, and um, so all of us suffered because he he just wasn't healed, and um, he had severe childhood trauma as well. And so there's generational things, and I've got a grandson that is just just lights up the room when he comes in. He's a very charismatic little boy. I think that he's probably got a prophetic bend in him. He's, he's really black and white. He's he's really someone who can see and perceive, and he's, he's just he's wonderful. I just love him so much. And when he was three years old, he had a form of cancer on his spine. That's the the bone of this of of your backbone and it when they discovered it it had already eaten eaten through about 80 percent of a vertebrae which is a part of the bone and was threatening his spinal cord which is what's in the middle of that bone that that makes you move and it it, it was high it was up in his chest cavity or chest area and so if that cord was damaged it would have caused severe impairment. And um, I got I I got on the I, I got on my social not my social media but my, my phone and I, I contacted about six people and um, I call them um, mighty, you know, like uh, Gideon's mighty men, you know, where where sometimes it just makes sense to get a a, a tribe of believing people um, 
so that you have faith. Because sometimes when you spread it out too too much, like like Adele had said earlier, there's just a lot of opinions and a lot of things that happen that, that really war with your faith when you get it too wide. So I contacted them. Peggy was one of them. Peggy's been an intercessor in this this um, ministry. She's moved away since then, but she was one of them that I, that I got a hold of and, and some other really strong warriors. And we went to war over that. And I said, I want two things. I want the pain. He was in acute pain as well. I said, I want the pain gone, period. That's just not right. And it never will be, you know, <laughs> little three-year-old, you know, and that he'll, he'll not have any restriction in his mobility. So within three days, all of his pain was gone. Uh, that was medical intervention and the, and the power of God. What they did was they, they blasted him with steroids to, to shrink the uh, inflammation and the problem in that area. So his pain alleviated, but it, it brought up a whole new set of problems. Here's a three-year-old that's got ADHD that already has problems managing his emotions because he's three years old. I mean, come on now, you know, and, and he's, he's got steroids on, on board. And I, like I said, I'm a nurse and I've seen people in ICU go crazy when they, they hit them with a bunch of prednisone. And this little kid just had massive dose. So he, he had this incredible rage that, that he used to get through this situation. He, he didn't have cognitive or understanding of what was going on. So he just got mad and he was mad at the world. He was mad at his mom. He was mad. He was just mad. He was mad. So that was, you know, he's three years old and that's, that's his, his situation. And then a few years later, his stepfather was diagnosed with cancer, and three weeks later, later he was dead. And so this little guy that, you know, and they, they, they did everything they could because it was very unusual. You know, people with trauma, there's, there's some people, they go through some trauma, and it's not, it's not really horrific, and they have a temperament that it doesn't trouble them very much, and they, with the support of family and friends, and what God has put within them, the resilience that's in them, they get through it. But then there's other people that really need more help. And that's something I really like you to consider as you go about in your sphere of influence, helping people get help. You know, asking for help is not a wrong thing. It's like, it's, it's kind of like when, when you're involved in a deliverance ministry and, and you need, or not a ministry, but you need deliverance. Say you, you've, you've got a problem that's beyond a normal, uh, anger that you have ra fits of rage or something where a demon just really comes into a pain and something that the enemy has already caused in you and then he manifests. Well, the only shame in deliverance that I know of is if you need deliverance and you don't get it. That's the only shame. But a lot of people will shy away from, from that kind of help because of the stigma. And the same with emotional problems. Um, people will shy away from getting help. Um, professional help. Now, I know that there's a lot of different opinions and a lot of different ways to deal with the emotional and spiritual problems, so you have to be careful what camp you get that help from. But asking for help and pointing people to help is a good thing. So he he just really goes over the top with his rage when his his stepfather dies, and he has a lot of questions for me. Number one, did God take my dad? I said, no. God received him. God received your stepdad. 
but he didn't take them. I said, the devil's the one. He said, who did? I said, well, the devil. I said, the devil comes to kill, rob, and destroy. And if that's not killing somebody at 31 years old, I don't know what is. And he said, I want to kick his butt. <laughs> and I said, good, me too. You know, he is, a, he is the one that did this. But, but you know, we're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And that summer was terrible. I had him that summer, and I was uh, watching him, and he was just raging like crazy. And God gave me grace upon grace. Uh, I don't want to go into that. But he, he showed me how I could press into God and have the grace that I needed to help him. I was the one that was really um, the one that needed to take care of him that summer. And by the grace of God, we got through it. And he now is really in a great place. He was able to process all of that. And now he is just really in a great place. And I really praise God for all of the people, all the adults in his life, all the support, all the help that he got. And um, he told me just recently, he said, he, he says, Mama Jima, um, the doctor told me this. He says, it doesn't happen very often. He says, it doesn't happen very much at all. Very, 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 very rarely. But um, my vertebrae is starting to grow. Usually, when you know that that's it, when it's gone, it's gone, and um, and so he's got absolutely no restrictions now on his activities. Not only did he not get any impairment, but he has no restrictions. So God answered my Praise prayer fully that He delivered him from pain, and he's got full mobility. And so the way that he, and then he's got this emotional stability now. And, and he was talking to me um, just this last summer, and he said, he, he said, Mama Jima, I am really sorry for the way that I treated you that summer. I mean, we had to, he had Nerf guns and stuff, and he would shoot me with them, so he lost all of his guns. And, you know, I kept putting them in, in summer, summer camp trying to get a little grandma time, and he kept getting kicked out because he wouldn't, you know, he was just mad. He just, he just, didn't know what to do with himself. And so, I mean, it was a, it was a hard summer, and he, and he apologized several times to me. And I just started to talk to him. I said, you know, a lot of times it's easier to be mad than sad. And we'd just seen a cartoon where they addressed that. And he said, well, Mama Jima, I was sad mad. And I said, that's right. You were really sad because Jeremy died, but you decided it was easier to be mad. And a lot of people will do that. They'll disguise their feelings and not deal with their feelings because it's easier to stay mad. I don't know if you've ever met anybody like that, but there's there's people that, that will just stay mad because they don't want to get sad. They don't want that deep sorrow, that grief that comes with trauma, that comes with loss. And so um, in order to get out of the the, the trauma effects, you have to experience those emotions. And they're just a sea of emotions. Maddox and I, we um, drew up a, a trauma map. It was like a road that we, we made. And then at the end of the road, there was, there was a fork in the road, and there was two ways that you could go. But you start with the trauma, and then you have all this sea of emotions. There's just all kinds of, you know, he, I had him drawn, and I said, this is what this is, Maddox. It's about, it's about you know, like um, having a trauma and then going through life. And so I asked him to just color it and put things in it. And so he drew about the trauma, and he drew rain and a sad face and a lightning bolt hitting the sad face. And and then he 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 drew he drew this big volcano, 
And, you know, and that's where he was at for like years, you know, this exploding volcano of anger. And, you know, there's depression and there's detachment and there's all of these swirling emotions. And, um, and then you come to this fork in the road and you can do what I just said. You can go into avoidance. You can numb out. You can just not have feelings. Uh, or you can just keep circling back to anger and not deal with the underlying things. The other road is the road to resilience or to getting out of, of trauma. And the way that we take that road is we talk and we lament. It's basically talking to others and talking to God. We forgive wherever we need to do forgiveness. I'm not going to go into forgiveness today. That's a huge part of it. We grieve the loss or the, the pain or whatever, uh, and we express that. And eventually we get into an acceptance and a new normal. Of course, this is all centered around your relationship with Jesus Christ and bringing it to the cross of Christ so that you can be whole. So I just want to talk a little bit about that, that road to resilience uh, or recovery from trauma. And I just want to define what a lament is. A lament is a form of prayer that you see a lot in the Psalms. Um, David's used it all the time. David had a tough life. Um, lots of pain in him. There's a couple of Psalms that are good. Psalms 13, I mean, Psalms 13, it, it just shows you how to do a lament. And I'll just break it down a little bit without going into it just for time's sake. And then Psalms 116 is a song about how God has answered my prayers and now I'm into a new life. It's like the whole gamut of I was once lost and now I'm saved. And it's a beautiful psalm, especially in the Passion Translation. But what a, a lament is, is an honest prayer from a broken heart. Basically, you state the problem. You don't rail against God, but you say, God, people are after me. These people were my friends, and now they're hunting me. I used to go to church with them, and now they're trying to kill me. It's not right. I haven't done anything wrong, but this is my situation. But I remember your goodness. And you start recounting your... your um, testimony. You start recounting the goodness of God and all the things that he's done and that you put your hope in God in that situation. And that's a lament. And that's a good way to process. Like I used to have a hard time processing. Um, I used to write it down on a paper, but I was so afraid somebody would find it and think I was nuts. <laughs> and, and, you know, at the time it probably wasn't too far from truth. So I'd rip it up into little pieces after I was done and and I'd, I'd throw it away, but I could get all my feelings out and talk to God honestly, and then also take a deep breath at the end and just say, God, I know you're going to get me through this. I don't know how this is going to work out, but my hope is in you. When, um, when we get through this trauma process, when we process our trauma, we get to the new normal. And it, 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 we're not the same person after we experience trauma because we've grown, we've matured, and things, life has changed. But the trauma becomes only a chapter in our life and no longer being the single memory that defines us. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's been stuck in trauma, but they can say, well, back in 1942, you know, my mom died and I was seven. And that's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. And you, you rarely get them past that, that sorrow. We had a woman in, in my neighborhood when I was growing up that was that way. You would have thought that her husband had just died. He had died like 20 years before that. But we'd go over and visit her, and she'd be in tears because she was alone because he died. She'd never moved on. She'd never gotten out of the past 
to be in the present, to build a future. And that's what God wants us to do so that we have that hope and future, which is his will for us. So living in this new normal frees us from the pain of the past, empowers us to live in the present, and builds our future as we pay it forward. The best the best advice I can give people that are really in a bad situation, that are really traumatized and are working in it, is to go to your happy place. And I've, I've said that before without really explaining it or not, hadn't gotten to it, and someone reacted to it and said, oh, I don't know about that happy place stuff. But what your happy place is, is your prayer closet. What your happy place is, is, is maybe even going and and helping at the animal shelter and taking care of puppies. I mean, if, if you're really that traumatized, you don't want to be around people, you can go take care of lost kittens. You know, there, there are places where you just have to have an outflow, even in that painful situation where you don't think that you can take your next breath. God has given you something to give. So if you learn how to be a giver and you learn how to give thanksgiving and you learn how to get outside of your head, um, your your trauma process will be shortened. Um, an example, uh, opposite example of how not to do it is the book of Job. Um, just briefly, Job was a man who endured prolonged, severe suffering. He and his friends begin to try to understand why the pain and suffering had come into Job's life. And, of course, they get it wrong because they're going from a natural point of view. The three questions that they bring up is, is God just? If he's just... Does he, does he run the universe justly? And how can we explain Job's suffering? And, um, and so the, the whole book of, of Job is, is them talking about this, basically. But then God shows up in this story. And when God shows up, he reveals his power and greatness in the complexity of the universe. Job and his friends uh, realize that they're in no position to understand such great mysteries. They're, God is enshrouded darkness. There are just some things we're just not going to understand this side of heaven. And um, it's God is okay with that, that we don't know everything. <laughs> Imagine that. So the question of why suffering comes is never answered. He's got 31 plus um, to, to answer this, but he never does. Talk about why people suffer, why these great things come upon us, why some people have a lot harder time than others, why people suffer with, with so many different things, why you're born in a certain family when, when you think that it, it really would have been better if you'd have been born anywhere else. And God, uh, Job is given an opportunity, a personal invitation to trust in God's wisdom. It's an incredible story when you look at it um, through God's eyes. Job 42.5 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And what this is, is Job's personal revelation of God. And he's gone through all of this trouble. He's had all of this counseling and all of this. And then God shows up and he speaks to him, which is Job's prayer. I want God to come and explain this to me. I don't deserve this. What's going on? This is wrong. I want him to tell me about this. So God shows up. So what Job says in this is, is he's speaking to the Lord. And he says, I have heard of you only by the hearing of the ear, but now my spiritual eyes see you. And it, it's, it's the crux of everything in life as far as I can tell. Simply hearing about God is not enough. Intimacy and a personal encounter enables us to perceive and to know him ourselves. Now, during the days following a traumatic event, 
we have the opportunity to know him personally as comforter, deliverer, healer, and Lord. We're not given that opportunity in a pleasant place. The only way that we can know God and his greatness is in these troublesome valleys. I had a dream of one of the first times I went out and taught uh, on trauma. I had a dream about some horses. I was working in the I worked in the ICU with this Jewish woman and we were in a stable taking care of an injured horse. The the horse had been traumatized. It had cuts and bruises all over it and we were taking care of it. And then in comes the security guard at the hospital. And he was very legalistic and judgmental. And he, he took the reins of the horse and snapped them at the horse. And the horse just went crazy and just acted out. And he said, see, this, this animal is beyond repair. We've got to put him down. And we were saying, no, no, no. He just needs to be helped. If we can help him, then he's going to be fine. And so, um, that's legalism, and that's what Job's counselors, that was their great mistake, is they were saying, Job, you've, you've made all of these things that were wrong, and you've done all of these things that, 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 that brought this upon you. And it's not the legalism that ever helps. It just causes us to act out. So um, what we need is what was in um, the worship set this morning, Matthew eleven twenty three through 30, 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's how we get healed, is through goodness and the kindness of God. We help our friends recover from trauma as we understand that they have to get their heart aligned with their mind. Their heart has to believe what they know to be true about the goodness of God. And the way that that happens is through personal encounter, loving relationships. The way that we help those who uh, are in need is we go after 2 Corinthians 3, 4, 5 through 6. We're caring, confident, competent ministers by the power of the Holy Spirit. We rely on Him and we listen. The best things that we can do for our friends is to listen and not give counsel. Just listen and let them process God reveals his mysteries through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we can be open to those kinds of things. We minister under the power. But basically, the way that people heal from trauma is they have a personal encounter. They And the way that we can help them as friends is we can build faith, tell them to go into the Spirit, to trust the Lord and not their understandings so that they can be healed from the inside out in Jesus name. So I hope this helps everyone that's listening to this program. I'm going to invite Dr. Hansen to come back up and close up the, this and may God bless you. Praise the Lord. I hope uh, everybody, I wish more, some of our people are missing today that needed this message and then maybe they're watching right now on television or social media, listening on radio. But this is something that we all deal with in life. All of us. We go through trauma. We all lose loved ones. Uh, people get sick. And how do we handle this? It's so important. Again, go to my website, www.worldministries.org. www.worldministries.org. You can watch this program again and again. We've got great programs on seven days a week. Also, click on Eagle Saving Nations when you're on my website www.worldministries.org We need another great awakening. God bless you.